Sales and booking are the lifeblood of wedding business success. Without them, you wouldn't be a business at all. But it's not always easy to understand why brides and grooms choose a competitor over you. Starting a wedding planning business is the first of many hurdles you'll need to overcome to have a successful company. With so many wedding planners available, finding a way to make your business stand out from the crowd can be tough. Tune into True Love Knots podcast. Megan Eli joins Maria as they talk about the wedding industry, standing out as a business, and more. Hello, everybody. Well, I want to tell you, I am interviewing somebody that I call the female GOT in the industry, GOAT, the GOAT. I interviewed somebody else that is a GOAT too, and you know him well, Alan Berg. But today... I'm going to be into, I'm interviewing Megan Ely, and she has been around the wedding industry, the event industry for many, many years, started out all working on events and weddings. And then, of course, she went back to her true love, which is PR. And how we're going to talk today for those people out there that are either looking to get involved, whether it's the wedding industry, starting your own business, how important PR is. So first, I want to welcome Megan. Say hi. Hey, hi. What a lovely intro. Hugs and kisses. And I put on special perfume for her. So I hope she can. Oh, I do appreciate it, even if I can't detect it. So you're located in Richmond, Virginia. Right. Virginia. I just interviewed somebody yesterday, a notary in uh, Richmond, Virginia. And her name is. No kidding. Yes. Not Richmond, excuse me. Um, anyway, she has a company called Notary to Notary so that you know that many states, their notaries are able to perform wedding ceremonies. They're officiants. So it goes hand oh. in hand. Yeah, interesting. Really so, so Megan, a couple of things. I have to share something with you. So we do due diligence, right? Whenever we're going to go on a podcast. Yeah. So I listeners to hear this. So I interviewed Alan Berg, which I thought he he is fabulous. So talking Lovely to man. somebody in sales, he gets right to the meat. So I was looking up some videos and some recordings and he had you on not too long ago as a guest. Mm -hmm. So now correct me if my memory serves me right. You met, he met you. He knew who you were. You kind of like ships passing in the night, but you met in Ireland. Yes. At Limerick, in Limerick. In Limerick, Ireland, when I had food poisoning. Very Serious story because my listeners might not have heard the story and how that went about. (laughs) So- Alan Berg is the man, right? Like we were, you know, and I remember going to Wedding MBA and hearing him and and just having definitely just, I, I held, I continued to hold him in very high regard. And so I was asked to be a returning speaker to the Business of Weddings Ireland, which is no longer around, but at the time it was, I'd been the initial speaker. And a couple of years later, they asked me back and they said, Alan Burke's coming. And I thought, what a wonderful opportunity to connect with him. I hadn't connected with him in the States. This is right before we were wedding wire education experts together and really got to know each other. And so long story short, I, I flew over. I was about 20 weeks pregnant and I was visiting friends throughout. I, I tended, I, my husband, and I had been to Ireland quite a bit for work and fun and da, da, da. I ended up with food poisoning, but didn't matter. I mean, you still, when you're a speaker, you just have to deal with it. And so I'm 20 weeks pregnant, you know, tossed onto a train to Limerick and I get there and I was supposed to speak the next day. And Annie, who I love, Annie was running the conference and she's a dear friend. And she says, do you want to come to dinner with, with, um, you know, Allenberg and I, and I said, absolutely not. 
Like, no, I can't let that be like, I can't even function right now. And so I went to bed at 3.30 PM instead as one does when you're sick and pregnant and all the things. And the next day I did get to meet him. And um, that was also when I started taking solids again. So that was, and so we met each other in this kind of funny, like, wouldn't it have been a dream to like have dinner with him and his lovely wife and my lovely husband? And it just was not meant to be, but that's okay. So he, uh, he forgave me for turning that opportunity down and we've been friends since. So he's, um, we travel a lot on the circuit, you know, crossing each other all the time. And I notice he has a pair of socks with your face on. He does. Okay. So there's a whole sock situation where that's that's very good. And so years ago, um, we just thought little surprise and delight is what I was known for in, in speaking. And my friend Kevin Dennis, he's a friend and a client of mine. We were going to Wedding Wire San Francisco all those years ago. And so I gifted him anonymously, but he knew it was me. <laughs> socks with Allenberg's face on it. And I thought, oh, this could be fun. Like we could really do something with this. So Kevin actually wears them to San Francisco's Wedding Wire World. Uh, of course, you know, Alan loved it. Like he just loved it. But then Alan's type to take it in just a whole other direction you didn't expect. And I thought it was kind of the end of it. Like, oh, funny face on socks. No, we were in Charlotte and he came with my, he suddenly like now I am on his socks, which if that was the end of the story, it's kind of a cute quid pro quo. It's not because then that same year at Wedding NBA, he comes in to really just take it to the next level. He had one sock with my face on it and to bring it full circle, the other sock had Kevin's face on it. And that was like just the perfect end to this hilarity. And to this day, it is one of my very strongest social media posts ever from all those years ago. I can see that, but you know what? I'm going to take this one step further. Ready. It kind of reminds me of your talk about surprise and delight. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, because you surprised him, it delighted him. And then he turned around and I want to tell you, if anybody hasn't had a chance to listen to that NACE talk, I loved it. And especially when it comes to, in particular, the wedding industry, when you talk about surprise, am I right? Surprise and delight? Yeah, surprise and delight. That's wonderful. It it really is. I've probably given that talk professionally over the last maybe six years, 20 to 25 times professionally, like smaller NACE chapter, we're both NACE people, NACE chapter, it started at NACE experience in Houston all those years ago. And it just is, and it's a talk that evolves. I mean, it's not the same as it was, Mm -hmm. but it truly works for everyone in the room, whether, uh, and I know you can appreciate this, whether it's a small business owner, someone who works for somebody else, but that concept of surprise and delight as a strategy in the wedding industry, it really is, forgive the pun, I'm punning, but it's it's truly a perfect marriage of strategy combining with the skills and talent set of wedding pros. Well, right. The story I heard was about the pop tarts, the tarts that are pops. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, and I love the play. (laughs) You know, it got me to thinking because we are in the industry and I deal with chapels, too, which, you know, are very high volume in Las Vegas. I only work with one chapel as a vendor or a creative partner. (laughs) Oh, yes. Partner is right, which I love. And um but basically, you know, everybody's fighting for that, that customer. We all are out there in the, as you know. And one of the things I wanted you to share, maybe with our listeners, is how can a, whether you're a one person solo, where you think might be, or even a company, how do you stand out? What, what do you think is important, which we know consistency as a business, when you look at a business, when you're taking a client on, what are you looking for with that? Where are you trying 
the take? That's a great question. So if if that's a wide open question, that's for you. Like, okay, so how does someone stand out? If this is fresh in my brain, because I did at the time of this recording last night, I spoke on this topic at Richmond Naces. Social proof is what stands out to me right now. Um, what we're seeing is some when when you've got a brand, and it doesn't matter if it's a solopreneur, it's a team, it's someone working for someone else. When other people are saying they're great, right? Because it's one thing to have a wonderful website and email marketing and social media. All of that is great. And that's what we use, those owned channels to say how wonderful we are, right? And that's fine. Like everybody has that and hopefully focuses or tries their best to focus on it and make bandwidth time for it. But to me, what stands out is the social proof side. When other people, that's going to be the press pages. That's the, um, you know, I, I think Alan Berg is a great example of someone who really utilizes testimonials, right? Like, like people just love him. He uses his certifications, his plate, like all of that. Um, the people who are involved in NACE or WIPA or ILEA or all those things and really showcase their leadership, uh, their awards. And, you know, Jody, our mutual friend, Ju Jody does oh, a great gosh. job. She wins everything, you know, it, it's in, and, and she makes sure that she does promote that. And so Jody's a great example of somebody who, you know, you can just see, yes, she's great. It's very evident, but the people around her also agree with you. And that social proof is tied to publicity and awards and leadership and podcasts and all those things. So I think that, that to me, especially as we're hitting that generational shift to Gen Z is, is what I'm seeing. You're right. And I think the podcasting route and you yourself even talks about that because right now I went to a podcasting um, convention. Okay. There are now about 5 million podcasts, wow. but, but there's over a half a billion listeners. Think about that. Wow. That's a wide net. Yes. And really what would you tell anybody that's looking to, whether they're in the, but what do you, what do you say about podcasting? What's your thoughts? Well, huge yeah. fan. I and, and let me be clear. I've been a fan of podcasts before serial made it cool for everyone to like podcasts. All those years ago, that true crime, like right. I was the podcast way before most people were, before it was mainstream. I think podcasts is like podcasting across the boards. What it does is it showcases not only expertise, I'm sure you'll agree, it showcases personality as well. And according to, you know, our friends over at Splendid Insights, she does an amazing job over there. The top things people are looking at, your portfolio, and I would say by proxy would be your expertise, but also personality. And 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 I think we can both agree that yes, you're you can get your personality out there when it comes to copywriting and things like that, but but really having a conversation. This is how we get to know each other. And podcasts are just a wonderful way to share, showcase what you know, and then also your personality. So I'm a huge fan. When we work with our clients, everybody knows that one of our ways is, you know, people getting their word out there. Yes, real weddings are great and speaking. It's also going to be the podcast. I'm a huge fan, always listening to them. And so everybody out there listening, now let's shift a little bit over, if you don't mind, and talk yeah. about One Fine Day OFD Consulting, right? Mm -hmm. I love the name. Oh, <laughs> thank name. you. A little, little wink and a nod to prior aspirations, but yes. <laughs> I listened to another interview. From, so you started, if you can just a little bit, I know that you started in the event industry and then you went back to your love and you said you knew you were always going to do this before high school. Yes. Oh, well, it was right as I started high school. I took okay. one of those. So share a little bit and, and then talk yeah. about PR. Well, oh. 
Oh, yes, of course. It's a little unusual in that I took this career test when I was 14, 15. And, you know, you just plug in whatever, clackety clack, and it said you'd be great at public relations. And I thought, well, you know, at the time, it's not like we had Wikipedia and all the things we could just look it up. But I thought, well, that sounds kind of cool, whatever that is. You kind of explain how to do the media a little bit, but I didn't really know what it was. And over the years, I just, that was my company line. You know, oh, where do you want to go to school? What do you want to go to school for? And I'd say public relations. And they'd say, you'd be so great at that. Not really sure what that is. And of course, as you get into college searching, it, the recommendation is you really do kind of figure out what, what you might like to do. And I thought, well, I should probably look into this a little bit more. And it, as it turned out, it really was a great fit for me. Um, a lot of my strengths played into it, my interests. I had been making, when I was little, like little, little, I was making magazines out of construction paper, like people magazines. Like I loved magazines. And so um, when I went to school for PR, I've always loved it. I love the academics of it. I actually taught at a local university for a few years about it. Like, I just love that. But um, I just felt compelled to, I'm sure you can understand, compelled to start be in the wedding industry. It just seemed, you know, when you're 22, it seems fun and exciting and, and beautiful and all those things. And so I jumped in feet first. I, I was very grateful for the people who gave me opportunities, but I always felt tugged back to PR. I remember, I always tell people that I actually was talking about this last night is, you know, because, it, you know, you put these great events together and it, it feels great to help someone on this milestone occasion, whatever that is, weddings or if you're doing bar bat mitzvahs, things like that. But there was no excitement greater than we, you know, we get picked up and there's like literally an inch you know, mention of us in a magazine. And it's just, it filled my cup 80,000 times more. And I thought, how am I going to combine these two? Because I, I don't want to leave these amazing people. I don't want to leave this industry. And so that's how it all, I mean, there's a longer story, but that's how it all came to play 14 years ago. So, you know, you found your love. It's interesting because I was in the rent-a-car industry. We owned a rent-a-car company for many years and, mm -hmm. um, sold that in 2010. My late, my husband passed away in 2012. Mm -hmm. Married 33 years. So I shifted into officiating, not yep. wedding planning, but officiating. And that has been something that I've always loved. Not that That's I didn't cool. like the car rental industry, but you know, when you find your passion and what you have, yep. you love it. And it's, it becomes, it's second nature. Not that there isn't anything to learn, but you find your passion. So mm -hmm. tell, er, talk um, a little bit about the difference between you know, a public relations and, you know, advertising and marketing people don't yeah. understand that. And I, you know, I know it well, I've been <clears> in the <throat> industry, but share mm -hmm. that with other people that are starting out to what they, and what they can do. What you Absolutely. Do. Absolutely. And I really appreciate this opportunity to create this baseline and kind of, you know, just tell you a little bit about the differences, because here's the thing, when folks are in school, there are different academic build, you know, the advertising marketing kids are over in the business building, the PR kids are over in the communication building, right? But the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, you go, you know, you leave school and suddenly everything's all mixed together. Oh, you know, marketing, I get questions all the time about like social media, email marketing. I'm like, no, I'm media relations and PR. So I do appreciate this opportunity. You know, public relations, the most simplest way to say is you've got a message, and you're trying to reach a certain audience with that message. It could be, I'm the best efficient in Las Vegas, right? I'm the best DJ in Las Vegas, whatever you want to say. And you're trying to get this audience. And typically that audience could be a mix of engaged couples or really vendors in a position to refer business to you. I'm sure you can agree that vendor referrals can be huge for a lot of the categories in the industry. 
So you're trying to reach these folks and you use media outlets as the channel to connect you to them. So that's going to be being quoted in things. It's going to have a write-up about, you know, you and, and guesting on people's podcasts and things like that. And there's no exchange of money unless you hire someone to do it, which we can talk about that. But, you know, there's no exchange of money there. You're not paying anyone, which is the big difference with advertising. Advertising is when you have this message, again, I'm the best at this, and you want to get out to these folks, you can utilize the media, but you are paying for the control time and space. So instead of pitching, doing doing a podcast, all those things, and being a part of that, maybe you sponsor a podcast. So then you know exactly, like, you know, you and I have coming into this and I have, you very done a great, like to bring it kind of meta, you did a great job prepping me, but I don't know the exact questions being asked, but if it was sponsored, you know, there's, it's going to look a little bit different in terms of what's controlled there in there, you know, there's an exchange of money at some point. Now, marketing is its own beast. Marketing really is the biggest umbrella. And that is going to be, um, you know, they talk about the five P's in school, but it, it focuses on your pricing and your promotion and in placement. And, you know, that's where social media lives. That's where email marketing lives and SEO lives. So it, they all work together. That's the thing. People often think, oh, it's one or the other, but no, I'm, I'm a fan of everything advertising. I'm a fan of marketing and I think that they can all work together. So that really differentiates. Now, your follow-up question was also, wasn't it things you can do with PR? Right. Like what can somebody do in, right, to promote themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, in the wedding industry, if there are, if you are a, and this is kind of the royal you here, planner, photographer, designer, venue in particular, um, florist maybe, real wedding submissions, taking these gorgeous events, submitting them to blogs and publications. It is a 15-year-old practice that still uh, does pay back in dividends in a lot of ways. There's a strong ROI for a lot of people, referrals, keeping folks happy, customer service, all the things, backlinks. So that's one way, but that's not for everybody, right? If someone is, you know, anybody else, I would say anybody in the industry could benefit from being quoted in things. If the New York Times wants to talk about the, the wedding boom and how people are navigating it. Like that is something um, your local, you know, Las Vegas market, any sort of wedding related content, being the one to answer about trends and things going on. But also again, to be a little meta here, it's also the podcast. That's a great way to get in front of people. Um, I'm not a TV gal myself, but that does work as a PR strategy for some. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that too. So those are a few of the kind of popular entryways into the world of PR for event pros. You know, it's interesting because we have so many different outlets now to yes. expand our reach. So and it's, it's like an abyss out there. Years ago, when I started in the coronal industry, you had TV, you had print, and you had radio. Okay. That's and that, it? Computers were starting. I want to give my age away. I'm a little, <laughs> a little older than Alan. But the point is, is that it really, um, it's changed. I mean, you have now, it, you have all these platforms and it's not just Facebook and Instagram. There's TikTok. There is uh, you on YouTube, and then you can do ads. And the, you know, I can go on and on Roku. Talk about streaming TV. I know so there's so many things out there, and I think it's it's important that you kind of find where your niche is, right? Wouldn't you say that with them? when Absolutely. you when you take a client on, finding out where you think their niche is going to be for their hundred percent. And if the thing is, engage couples, if that's who folks are going after, or even vendors, like not everyone's going to consume all the different kinds of media. And so, and let's be honest, uh, nobody has unlimited bandwidth. I mean, if they do, please interview them and I will listen to that and figure out how to have unlimited bandwidth. But the fact is we don't have time for everything. And so it's a matter of really being laser focused. Like I love podcast interviews. 
I'm only going to focus on the ones where, you know, I can really help educate wedding pros and that that's a smart business tactic. You know, it'd be great to go talk to women entrepreneurs, mom entrepreneurs, whatever, but that doesn't, it, there's no bandwidth to take on more than what I have and putting me in, you know, this is what I tell people, your company has obvious goals. You know, you're at point A, which does not mean your first day, but you're where you're at and you're trying to get to B and you want your, any sort of PR or even marketing and advertising, all those strategies should support getting you to B. So that means not doing all the things, you know? No, I agree with you. You have to. And, um, you know, I did, and I made that error (laughs) in the beginning when I started doing you know, getting involved with officiating. And then when I started podcasting and YouTube, and then the gal that I had that helped me, we narrowed it down to just sticking basically to love, basically love, but, but also on officiating weddings, because people fall in love, which we talk about. And then of course, you know, we want them to get married or, or have a a heartfelt commitment ceremony, whatever that works for them. Whatever they want. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. But I want to ask you a couple of questions, follow up with you. Um, before we end, but where do you, what do you think we can be doing better as a wedding industry? Oh gosh, embracing technology. <laughs> Did How I have to wait? Should I pause before I answer that? <laughs> oh, hold on, I have I have another redhead in the house. Let me just uh, have you speak. Oh, I can't hear you. That's okay. You can you can okay. you can I hear you, but I don't want yeah. So just okay. um, share where you think. What do you think we can be doing better? Honestly, it is 100% embracing technology. It is just one of those things where, and I know that might sound surprising. I mean, you were sitting here as a podcast host and you've got all the technology, but listen, not everyone is, is a you or a me or all this stuff. And it just pains me. I see, and I work with a lot of tech brands too. It pains me when wedding pros are just so sluggish to, you know, even explore some of the technological solutions out there. Uh, worst case too, sometimes they see it as the enemy, right? Right. Right now we're trying to navigate AI, artificial intelligence. And the quick thought is, oh my gosh, they're trying to replace us, da, 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 da. No, like figure out how you can utilize it in a way that will augment your services. And so I really, as a, as an industry as a whole, when you ask tech people outside of our industry, they will be very quick to tell you that this is not an industry that embraces technology. And it's just too bad because, you know, we do no matter our age, typically those engaged couples stay relatively close to the same age. You know, we're about to go through a huge generational shift with Gen Z mm-hmm. and we need to be ready for these a hundred percent tech dependent people. So even though my world is not tech, I'm someone who at the age of 42, I have wonderful, like I'm always open to learn new things, but I, I have wonderful teammates who are encouraged to bring in new tech solutions. I just wish the wedding industry would embrace that more. And I think you're right. And it has to do with generations. You know, we have six yeah. living generations today, which we've never had. Wow. The five that touch the workforce. Think about it. That is a span. The span. It's unbelievable. And it's something you're right because technology is important. Somebody like me, I wasn't raised with technology. Mm-hmm. But somebody and you kind of on the cut. I mean, you're there. I'm but- on the cusp. Yeah. I, I, I'm in a weird spot. Like I'm just, now this is what I always tell people at my age, I'm in a weird spot where I have stayed, stayed up to date on it, but there are a lot, like I have a 10 year old and at school, the parents, I mean, it is divided at this age. You have some people, it's like this, 
yeah, you use Canva and this and it like pretty relatively easy stuff, but you have some people who stick with the AOL email and just never are online. And I'm just like, it's such a weird age to be. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great, you know, great information to share. But mm. now where do you think, how do you see the industry and the event industry, not just weddings because sure. you're events. Where do you think we're going in the next two years in spite of, we know we've, we've came out of COVID. So let's, and we had to make some changes, but now I think everybody's back into being more relaxed, but we've into a, if you want to call it a recession where people are pulling back. Sure. What, where do you think, how do you see this playing out? Because they anticipated about 2.7 million, maybe weddings this next year, but I don't know what's your, do you think that's going to happen? I think going to be tough. Here's the thing. If there's one thing we learned through COVID, it's the power of resiliency of the wedding industry, wedding and event industry, I should say, you know, those with a strong base made it through the other side. And even those sometimes without a strong base somehow eked out on the other side, but hopefully have a deeper appreciation for um, best business practices and preparing for these sort of things. So hopefully as we head into kind of this, and I call it economic uncertainty. That's It's not that I'm against saying recession. I, I'm not a financial part in that sense. So I'll say uncertain times paired with an election year, which um, I remember 20 years ago in my first rotation, someone said, oh, it's an election year. People will be slower to book. And I thought that's crazy. No, it's not. It's highly accurate. Like from what I've seen. So with all of this is to say how I see it in the next couple of years, a, a few different things. And I've had some smart conversations with people much smarter than myself, but, you know, we came out of it, we went, you know, famine to feast and the wedding boom happened and people ramped up big time. They started booking like crazy. They built their staff. They, a lot of them said, oh, I'm getting yeses left and right. So I raised all my prices and it is going to be hard in 2023 and 2024 because our numbers realistically will be closer to 2019, right? It's not a boom year after year after year. That's not how it works. That was that was different. And so I think over the next couple of years, the people who persevere are the ones who are realistic about the type of events coming in, the cost per person, they are realistic with what their pricing can look like too. Because last year, was very much an inflated year it that is not going to be replicated like it, it doesn't mean we aren't going to be busy and and there are people who would contend that this year is equally busy as last year and I won't fight them on that in some of the markets but I think the next two years will be we will be better equipped for uncertain times but I think there is going to be a lot of surprise wedding pros wondering what happened because they built up during this sort of um, unusual time of robust booking. So I think that's, you know, we're going to see that. I, I hope, I know that sounds a little negative. I don't mean to be, I no. think people will be equipped for it though. And you're right. It's been a learning process. I mean, this yes. has been a learning process. We've never thought we would see in our lifetime. 100%. What happened? And then of course, but now recessions, yes, we have seen it, but the point coming off of COVID and then everybody getting out there and rushing, you know, in, in Las Vegas, there was a, a very small dip. And that's only because during COVID, you had a lot of municipalities that were not issuing marriage licenses. So they came to Vegas and that was the difference. And now we're seeing a lot of the I do redos where they're coming out to Vegas because they want this big wedding. Well, and they'll they'll get married maybe at a chapel and they'll have a reception someplace else, but they're already married. So we're seeing both here. And I think Vegas is that, like you said, different markets might it not is. be affected, completely different. You know, somebody can come here, get they can get a license seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 12 
midnight every day, 300. So there's sure. completely a different, and I, I do agree with you, but you know, there's people out there in the market that are friends of mine, people I don't know, and that have, that are in different markets and I want to see them flourish. So I think this is a great Absolutely. piece of advice as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I, and I appreciate, it. I think it's, if we can be cognizant of it, I've been through several recessions at this point, myself seeing 2008, nine, that time period, especially. And it's just, if we can be cognizant and take a lot of hopefully the good business acumen that we picked up over the pandemic, um, there are just so many great B2B experts and consultants out there who can, like I surround myself, as I've said, people smarter than myself, let them help me build this. So it's on you know rock solid foundation. And I think that's, so anything you like to share with us before we sign off that you about something coming up for you something you want to promote I mean I want to give you that opportunity oh you're so kind thank you well you know at the end of the day I have to say what I'm particularly excited about is I have my wedding PR membership the OFD collective which is a great spot for people who perhaps they want to submit their real weddings they're looking to have office hours regularly with the publicity team but we also we are inspired by the HARO model for those uninitiated, the helper reporter out model, which is in the PR world, something a bit different. But what we do is about 25 times a month, we're connecting experts, our experts with journalists, writers, people looking for experts for their articles. And so we recently built a fourth tier that's all about speaking, building a national thought leadership platform. Um, we've been helping. We had a really great turnout for the first, for the launch of it. And I'm excited about it. So ofdcollective.com. Okay. Um, and I'm also telling people on the side too, if, if I may, like not self-serving, I would just no, say- no, go ahead. Yeah, please know too that, you know, we talk about some of the economic uncertainty, but now's the time to connect with people. Aren't we lucky that we can now go back out in the world and see each other? And you and I talked a bit about NACE. There's so many strong chapters, but I'd be remiss if I didn't share that, you know, WIPA has almost 20 chapters throughout the U.S. So I would encourage your listeners to please, you know, make time in, in the season when there's, even with the uncertainty, it's great to have your people around you. So please make sure I'd love to, to promote people. That's what I'm doing, promoting networking. <laughs> You're right. The best thing we can do is getting out a network work not of ourselves get to meet other people like us so that we can surround ourselves with talent and people that can draw and give us information I want to thank you so much for your time Stan for me and I want to thank all of my listeners and as you know I always sign off remember to stay healthy happy and safe and spread love have a great day everyone 